Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Jesus said to them, Amen, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His clothes became radiant, dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. And Elijah appeared to them together with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were terrified. A cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing with one another what this rising from the dead meant. They asked him, Why do the experts in the law say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why was it also written about the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be rejected? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they wanted, just as it is written about him. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and some experts in the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people in the crowd saw Jesus, they were very excited and ran to greet him. He asked them, What what are you arguing about with them? One man from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, who has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long will I be with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to Jesus. As soon as the spirit saw him, it threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has this been happening to him? From childhood, he said. It has often thrown him into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said to him, all things are possible for the one who believes. The child's father immediately cried out and said with tears, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit. You mute and deaf spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit screamed, shook the boy violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him up, and he stood up. When Jesus went into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why were we not able to drive it out? He said to them, This kind cannot be driven out except by prayer and fasting. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know this because he was teaching his disciples. He told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. Three days after he is killed, he will rise. But they did not understand the statement 
and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they remained silent, because on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he will be the last of all, and the servant of all. Then he took a little child and placed him in their midst. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not just me, but also him who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. We tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not try to stop him, because no one who does a miracle in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil about me. Whoever is not against us is for us. Amen, I tell you. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall into sin, it would be better for him if he were thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around his neck. If your hand causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell, into the unquenchable fire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to fall into sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves, and be at peace with one another. This is the word of our God. Back in chapter 9, Jesus took up the second major theme of the Gospel of Mark, the first major theme being this close identification of Jesus with his own gospel and the preaching of the word and the expansion of the kingdom of heaven, all kind of bound up together um, as Mark traces for us that early history of the ministry of Jesus and as Mark demonstrates for us this division that the expansion of the kingdom of heaven brings about. The, the scribes and the Pharisees, teachers of the law, rejecting Jesus and others rejecting Jesus as we get this collision between their expectations of Jesus, their expectations that he would toe the line on their own man-made religious expectations and obligations versus the gospel of Jesus, as the gospel goes forth in power, um, declaring the forgiveness of sins, declaring freedom from man-made regulations. And, and that's kind of the first major theme, is as Jesus goes about and his gospel goes about, his gospel spreads, and Jesus and his forgiveness spreads. The second major theme began at the end of Mark chapter 8, as Jesus demonstrates for his disciples what this means as he's as his kingdom spreads, as they participate as followers of the kingdom, um, as followers of Jesus. What does this look like? It's not going to be glory after glory. It's not going to be a life of ease and comfort. But the rejection that Jesus experienced already in small part with those scribes and Pharisees is 
played out in in large part in the lives of the disciples um, because Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, that is, if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross and follow me. And Jesus demonstrates, beginning at the end of chapter 8, that the life that he is leading and the, the ministry that he is serving in is one where the glory comes after, the suffering comes first. And that kind of that kind of has plays out with the implications that what does success look like? It, it's not going to be success based on what we perceive as success necessarily, and that that kind of comes through here, especially in chapter nine, where Peter had tried to rebuke Jesus at the end of chapter eight, and here at the beginning of chapter nine, Jesus says, um, "You will see the kingdom of God come with power." And this is played out for us in kind of picture format in the transfiguration as Jesus displays his glory, but then he hides his glory. He displays his glory as a comfort for those disciples who saw it, that he is still in control, that he still has all the glory. He has never given up that glory, just that for a time he has refrained from the full and frequent use of his divine power, glory, and honor. But then beginning in verse 30, early verse 30 through 50 is the the ending of this chapter. Um, This is where Jesus takes the time and teaches his disciples and teaches them that the cross is his own cross and a cross for his disciples. Now, we don't bear a cross the same way that Jesus did. Jesus carried a cross for the forgiveness of sins, and our cross is simply following after him. Jesus did all the work of carrying our sin upon himself and dying for it and atoning for it. But this cross puts an end to the question of who is the greatest and turns it around into who is the servant of all. That's really verses um, verses 30, 34, 35, because 33, 34, 35, they had been arguing about who is the greatest. And you could see the, the arrogance and the self-centeredness. Um, you know, I walked on water. No, I was at the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, so was I. Um, I handed out, I handed out bread and Jesus held me up as an example but they remain silent, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first, he'll be the last of all and the servant of all. And then he demonstrates that even a child is greatest is great in the kingdom of heaven, that the disciple finds greatness in the service to the child, the little one who needs his help. In serving the child, he serves as serving God himself. Um, As Jesus says in verse 37, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. That the followers of Jesus follow the way of a servant with no self-seeking motives. And this makes us generous and open-hearted toward every recognition of service to Jesus and every service rendered to those person because of Jesus. Uh, This greatness found in service makes us very careful and attentive toward the little ones who believe in Christ, whether that is um, little like a little child, young child, or whether it is somebody who is new in the faith. Um, That we are so very conscious of not causing them to sin, not leading somebody else into sin, that the way of the cross means setting aside my own personal preferences in service to the other. So what does this look like, and what is our takeaway from this? I think, first of all, there's the encouragement that success in God's church, success among God's people, isn't going to look the same way as success in this world. Success in this world is a matter of of metrics and measurements and being able to quantify your success in numbers, or you know whether it's population, attendance, uh, people, power, influence, um, the bottom line. 
That's what success is in this world. But success under the cross means attending and listening to the words of Jesus and following that rather than focusing our eyes on what we see and can count. We focus our eyes on what is unseen. So I guess that's kind of our first takeaway, that we pay attention to the words of Jesus, even and especially when our eyes or our hearts would disagree. But then secondly, as we follow Jesus, that we are free to serve the other that we are free to serve others instead of getting all wrapped up and having our emotions all bound up in, um, in what we need and what we think is right. We can say, what is it that my neighbor needs? And so as you go about your day, how's that for a question to keep in mind? What is it that my neighbor needs? What is it that my spouse or my friend or my child or my parent needs from me? And how can I serve them as if they were Jesus himself? Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for our Saturday normal doubleheader. We'll have our Thirsty podcast episode with Pastor Zelling, Pastor Leighton, and then the next in our Saturday series um, this month, talking about depression. And then next week, Saturday, we have our Thirsty podcast, of course, as well as the first part of our interview with Karen Fisher from Christian Family Solutions. God bless your day.